Good takes, bad takes, and your Twitter questions. This week, it's Couch in the Three Boobs. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by $1 a month's LSJ subscriber, Kevin Grack, and the man who, for this episode at least, will whistle by the graveyard of bad takes, Alex Plum. Gentlemen, how are we doing? <laughs> Max Christie is not coming up for this entire episode. Not even <laughs> once. I commit to just really leave him alone this whole... No, I don't. What am I talking about? Impossible. <laughs> uh, uh. Yes. Uh, thank you, everyone, of course, for listening. If we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. And for the love of fucking God, rate, review, <laughs> and smash that subscribe button wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on the old Twitter machine, at Spartan underscore pod. I'm not even asking for the follow, sincerely. It's just the rating and reviewing. Minimum effort for the free content. Is that thirsty Damn enough? you, people. Yeah. You know, the, the LSJ is not free. But if you subscribe at $1 a month, Graham Couch will come on your podcast and talk for 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, so Greg, uh, what is the structure of the show? Is it 50 minutes of Graham Couch and then Twitter uh, questions? That is basically the structure of the show. So we've pre-recorded a segment with uh, with Graham. Uh, and obnoxiously uh, nice. It, very gracious, giving us his time. <laughs> and... To the to the listeners, very gracious in giving us ideas to talk to him about. So we're going to talk about the blue wall. We're going to confront him with that. We're going to hold him to it. We're going to talk about Alex Carter, of course, topical. You know, that's the first thing. Alex Grant. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> should have oh, asked about Alex Grant. Should have. The very greatest. Uh, but everything that you want to talk about is going to be in there. Uh, and then we are going to talk a little, uh, things that are going on in basketball, uh, little things that are going on in the, uh, MSU hall of fame. And then of course your Twitter questions for us, because those are essential. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get into it with Graham. We are very happy to have Graham Couch, who's sufficiently been negged into joining the podcast. Uh, Graham, thank you for joining us. Happy to have you. No, it's great to be here. It's a long time coming. I've been begging to be on for for years. Yeah, Yeah. it's been pathetic, Graham, to be honest with you. I I actually didn't. I I thought restraining orders meant that you couldn't even be on the Zoom call. So this is really bothering me. I'm really triggered. Yeah, well, uh, we'll find a safe space in here somewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to start, uh, Grant, we are going to, as promised, get into some of your uh, takes that can only be described as crimes. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we do want to kind of uh, pick the insider's brain uh, and, and chat a little bit about state of uh, the football program, state of the basketball program. And frankly, since Alan Haller has joined uh, MSU as the athletic director, changes have been seen across uh, athletics, uh, whether it's donors, social media engagement, name, image, and likeness, and then Alan Haller just pushing people out the door. 
So uh, let's start with the sport that always leads here, football. Uh, and I'm I'm curious, you know, we're two years in, going to year three of, of Tucker. What conclusions do you think we can draw so far, um, you know, uh, from a COVID year to a year that they wildly outperformed expectations? Yeah, and I think what we conclude is conclude has changed a lot. Like if you had asked me this a year ago, I, I still had no idea what Mel Tucker was going to be. I mean, he, he talked a good game. I had no idea whether that was going to translate, whether his teams were going to maximize themselves on the field. And and I, I thought he would be a decent recruiter. I thought it would happen eventually, and, and I think the winning has helped to some degree. What I didn't anticipate, and I think has been better than expected, is getting the most out of a roster. And that, to me, is you're going to have years where things aren't perfect. You don't have... Kenneth Walker, you don't have this or that, and and I think last year they 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 did that, and I mean that even the defensive secondary, you look at, uh, I mean they were giving, I mean it looked like I was backpedaling out there at times. It was you know, they were giving a they were giving a, a giant cushions, but they understood they had to kind of put their egos aside and, and coach to that understanding. They were really vulnerable there, and they were going to have to play. You know, they didn't want to admit the bend but don't break, but that's what it was for a lot mm-hmm. of the year. Um, so I think. What's impressive, and I, and I don't want to say after one year that you can safely conclude it, but the signs are that he's got a staff that will get the most out of what they have right now, and that's that's a big part of things because at the, uh, you know, I think at the height of the D'Antonio era when that was a hungry staff before they sort of lost steam, they did that pretty well too. The recruiting though is what I think excites people, and is beyond even what I thought it would be at this point. Uh, I, I I put the over under at like seven four stars for this class. I thought that would be a pretty pretty good uh, number to hit in terms of just the trajectory. And I mean, I don't know what they'll wind up at, but it, it's pretty clear he's he's got a, a certain swag to him. He he connects with recruits. Um, he's built for this sort of modern time of of recruiting, and and I think you know what's interesting about MSU fans. Is there one of the few fan bases that have actually seen middling programs turned into powers and sustained or reach really mm-hmm. high heights? Because they've seen it in basketball, and they've sort of seen it in football to some degree. Most places mm-hmm. just never seen it. It's just it's kind of a dream that you, you don't believe can happen. So I think uh, MSU fans have a different outlook on that. And, and, and what happened in basketball 25 years ago and has sort of maintained itself to some degree is, is part of that. So there's a believability, and then you see it start to happen. and um, you know, again, at some point you're going to have to beat Ohio State head to head, yeah, and, and those sort of things. But um, or at least there's nothing right. Yeah, and there's but there's nothing right now that's a red flag, and that I think is stood out. Uh, so adjacent to that, really quickly, you know, do you think this is? You talk about maximizing a roster, and then you talk about recruiting, right? So in theory, that's more talent in the door, and and a really great. Like actual coaching, um, or at least game management. Do you think uh, Tucker's in his short time established a floor? Like, do you do you think fans should be concerned if there's a drop off of fewer than this number of X number of wins? I think this team has a pretty high floor. I don't know what its ceiling is, but because I think it's got veterans in the right places. And when you talk about floor, it's the you're not going to get upset by Western Michigan floor. Like there are teams that are vulnerable to that sort of really bad game. 
and and I don't think this team is that just because you've got a veteran quarterback, you've got veteran playmakers. Um, unless the offensive line is is horrendous or something like that, I, I you know, which again could always happen. I still don't ever trust that unit yet um, after the last few years. But um, I, I I do think, and if he keeps recruiting like this. Yeah, he set a floor at the seven and five, eight and four range, and and that'll depend on scheduling. But what he's what, what's most important about a floor is not losing the games you shouldn't lose. Right, right. And that was and, D'Antonio's big thing, right? He yeah, won right. the games that he was meant to want, win, and then he grabbed a few more along the way. And sometimes he grabbed three more than he was supposed to. Sometimes he grabbed two, but it, it was very rare that he dropped one that you didn't expect him to win. That was the thing that MSU had never really done before, right? They had always dropped the game that ruined the season after the big win. That was, you know, I mean, that was the 90s. and uh, That fuels a lot of alcohol consumption in uh, (laughs) East Lansing. A lot of of bush light kegs purchased off of that, so... Get BTB is kind of business. Yeah. yeah, BTB wants to see that come back, actually. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. So uh, then let's let me ask you this, Graham, because I think if you're me, and I think there are probably a considerable number of Spartan fans who are, who will take the first sign of failure as the harbinger that the rest of the season is on the way down. I am a perpetual yeller at clouds, and the cuff is cup isn't just half empty. It's um, got a hole in it. Uh, <laughs> When when the season is not as good from a numbers perspective as last season was, because we don't have Kenneth Walker the third, what is the thing that you would point us to that should restore hope in a person like me? So I think what's going to be really important this year is the response to the Ohio State game, because yeah. you, you, last year was it was a perfect schedule in a lot of ways. Northwestern was coming off a year where they had some credibility, but they weren't that good. And you get the 75-yard run, you, you, you blow them out of the water. It's a really good vibe coming out of that game. Um, the Miami game was incredibly impressive, the way they closed that game. And that's, that, was, that was the game where I thought, huh, okay, maybe there's something here. Because um, mm-hmm. that was just, that, that was a, a kind of a, a character check fourth quarter, I thought. And, and, um, but, and so when you go back to 2019 for D'Antonio and that Ohio State quarter and a half where they're competitive, and, and I think that team, thought it was going to be really good. I think D'Antonio thought they were going to be really good. They measured themselves against Ohio State, and then things fell apart, and then the, the wheels just fell off, right? They couldn't. Last season, the schedule was this perfect crescendo to the Michigan game. We all know how that went. And so there had been so many good vibes, and the, you know they didn't have the depth and to, to sort of sustain it. And by the time Ohio State happened, it's late November. The season really can't be ruined at that point. Mm-hmm. But the schedule is really really difficult right after that Ohio State game. And they don't have to win all those games, but what do they look like? What's the response when they're reminded that they're not at that level yet, if that's what happens? And that's that's really, for me, uh, a a telling thing. And it's not so much what happens yet against Ohio State. I don't think anybody expects them. I mean, they should be more competitive than last year. That was obscene. But, like, nobody expects them to beat Ohio State. It's, it's, do you look like you belong on the field? And then what do the following weeks look like? And the one thing I think they will have a little bit more of this year is depth to withstand the entire season, which, which was, a, was a real problem last year. And in, in, in hindsight, I don't, I don't think I listened enough to what – I mean, Tucker was saying that before the year. He was saying, you know, 
he kept saying, we're good enough to play with anybody, but I don't know if we can do it for a whole year. And, mm. and he, he sort of understood that beyond the top 22, they were in a little bit of, a little bit of trouble. Steep, so you, steep drop off. Yeah. You said, uh, I think kind of two interesting things there. Uh, one is uh, about, I would ask about coach speak because the sort of, you get, particularly out of Tucker, you get a lot of mantras. Uh, the man lives and dies by mantras and, and, and marketing, but um, he's had some, I would just say uh, by coaches standards, incredibly candid moments about the talent level of his roster, what it takes to win. And so it, is there an adjustment? Like, I, I think people find your job fascinating. So is there an adjustment to how you listen to coaches and pay attention to what they're saying and like how you start to evaluate what you're hearing from Tucker and your availability. So when, when Mel Tucker wants to be good, he's great. When he wants to give you nothing, he gives you absolutely nothing. And, and our, <laughs> our first, so he's also sort, great at that. Uh, our yeah, first right. disagreement, our first sort of conversation over the phone that was contentious was off a tweet I sent. I was just, he wasn't giving us anything. It had been like five or six weeks and I was sick of it. I was like, man, I just won't go to the press conference. We're not getting getting anything here. I was really annoyed. And he, they posted a video of him in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And I just quote tweeted it and said something snarky about, you know, this is the Mel Tucker we'd like to see more of in press conferences. (laughs) And he he didn't, and, and, and it wasn't all that well worded as sometimes I failed to do. Um, and then, he also read it completely wrong because I ran it by my wife, you know, my sister, my mother. I'm like, wait a second. It's, he's miss. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, this is him. the editorial crew, right? This is, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Trust that this, is, this, is, this is how the sausage is made here. Yep. Um, and uh, I, but it was because he wasn't giving us anything it, it, for mm. a while. And, and, and he went through a stretch of it. And, and what was interesting is after that though, it worked in a sense that he was, and I'm not, I don't want to take credit for it, but he got a lot better late in the year. I think he did understand that he was a little too, um, and he, I, I, he was annoyed. I think there were some things that happened that were written. Uh, there was something that the free press wrote at one point. Um, it was about him being a distraction with the, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the yeah, that, and so, we'll and, he, he, and he would see certain people in the, you know, in the press conference. And I think he would just give less of himself. And I could be reading that wrong, but it felt that way. Uh, from well, my he did actually send us to ask all of the blue ball questions that we're going to ask you <laughs> later in this segment. Excellent. Each Excellent. one of them comes bulleted list straight from Mel Tucker. From so yeah. just do know that that's why that's coming up. But uh, to, to, quickly to answer, to finish the question in a more concise way, um, but all these coaches are different. Like D'Antonio was, he would be pissed at you, hold a grudge, and you knew it, but he would never speak up. I was happy that when Mel's ticked at you, he lets you know because that's what Izzo does. And that's my, I mean, Izzo will call you and he'll MF you, and you're, you know, that's it is what it is. But the next, Graham, but the, this is an explicit podcast. You can say what Izzo said. Yeah, Izzo, you yeah, can Izzo. actually play. You can play those voices. You can play the calls. <laughs> Mel Tucker. We'll, we're happy to broadcast those. That's fun. <laughs> Izzo will motherfuck you a little. And but the the thing the thing I like about uh, him is the next day. There's no grudge. You, you're right. there. You show up to availability. It's good. He understands it's your job. He wants you to stick up for yourself. You know, he, he may not always yeah. agree, but he understands everybody's got a job to do. 
And I think Tucker has a little of that. D'Antonio just let it let it fester, fester and it, it would have been so much better if he had developed better relationships <laughs> with the reporters throughout his time. Let's that's a, that's talk. Story of MSU. It's actually yeah. the story of what Becky says, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Again, bulleted list from from bulleted, Becky D'Antonio. Right from well. Becky D'Antonio. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about Tom Mizzo's program for a while, and I think it's actually interesting that we didn't have a ton to talk to you about. Uh, I think that says a lot about the program generally, and something is just sort of in the back of my head. But one thing I do want to talk about is Moneyball and the fact that you seem to be buying the fool what is usually fool's gold there and i'm curious do you expect this to be like a future bad take segment like in the making are you giving us <laughs> something to build off in the future see you or, next year graham like, <laughs> like, why is this year moneyball different yeah no the moneyball is yeah i've had some some brutal ones. The Tum Tum Nairn three point shooting of uh, yeah. 2016 17. <laughs> that is, comes immediately to mind. That's that's up there. And so I'm always skeptical of, of shooting performances because all these guys can shoot better than a Division One defense allows them to. Um, yeah, and that so that's the thing you're trying to figure out when you're there. What can you actually judge uh, from Moneyball when the job is also to analyze it, right? You're not. I can't just come back and tell them, you know what, it's not worth anything. I'm not going to write a column off this. Um, I'll see you in August for football. So I, you know, and so I've got to, you know, I'm trying to find what is real and what isn't. And um, it's a good question. Like, I I do think, like, I am very curious to see um, what Pierre Brooks is this Mm. year. Okay. Because the last few, there have been people who have shot well at Moneyball who have, that's not translated at all or have Mm. not, but there have been very few people who have dominated Moneyball the way he has that haven't had an impact. And it so that's didn't actually carry over to the just, just to some degree, it, you know, it, it, I would be surprised if he's not a 18 minute, a game, seven points, you know, more than a three point shot, a game type guy after what we're seeing, if he keeps himself in shape the way he is and the way he's playing. So if not, and I, like I said, this the other night was that if, if Pierre Brooks is like a nothing on the roster this year. Mm-hmm. Then I'll just stop going to Moneyball altogether because I, <laughs> cause then there's then there's there's really zero to take from it. Um, but yeah, Can you no. Also I, say that about AJ Hogarth shot too. So, <clears throat> so Hogarth shot, I think at this point I did say that. I mean, I it, it I mean, I, I'm very curious to see it because the hoop is still the same freaking size, and there have been guys <laughs> there have been guys defending him decently in some of these games, and um. But it, it is different when you're – the thing that you have to remember about Moneyball is these guys aren't really defending that well on the other end. So they're nowhere near as exhausted necessarily as they would be. Their legs are – you know, they put a lot more into their offense, if that makes sense. Right. Sure. Um, all right. So I, I want to ask a quick question about A.J. Hogard and this team generally. Um, the – it seems like I know you've gotten some questions. I've heard from other podcasters that there's maybe a leadership problem with AJ Hogard, but from our perspective, it seems like it's his team. But you have Malik Hall, you have Joey Hauser. Um, there's usually a, a history of graduating up in terms of leadership. Uh, who whose team do you think this is? It's a good question because I don't know that – I mean, Malik Hall and, and Joey Hauser are not alpha dogs in the way that, that – they're just never going to be that natural uh, leader that 
sort of takes over the vocal role. I, I, I mean, Malik Hall before last year said he wanted that, and it's just not who he is. Now, I, it's also hard when you're not playing as much as you should. You, it's hard to lead from the bench, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that changes a little bit. Hogard is the one who is built personality-wise to do it. Um, and if he takes the step to next year that he took in the middle of last year and he plays well enough, I think people will listen to him and maybe he's that guy. I think the bigger thing they'll have going is collectively, and a term I overuse is sweat equity. Um, and that sort, but it's like, uh, they've got some veterans who collectively should be in a place where they're sick of certain things happening to them. And you don't need Mm -hmm. that one guy. If you've got three or four or five guys of the same mind. Right. And and that's really important. What you need that one guy is like Draymond Green senior year. That was a pretty young team otherwise. That that team falls apart without that sort of personality carrying them along. Um, and there have been other years where you need that personality. I don't know that next year's team will just because they enough of them will have been through it together. They'll actually be one of the more experienced teams in the Big Ten. Was that the storyline heading into this year? And 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 do you see the storyline changing by the time we get to the end of the year, end of the season? Yeah, it's a good question. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the storyline will be. I really don't. I don't have a. I mean, I think one of the things that people obviously look at the center position was that a mistake not to bring somebody in, and whether one of those centers will be in the mix in, in key moments. I don't know, but ultimately you can play Hauser at the five. You can go small. You you, you know that they may not that may not factor in a ton. I I think a, a, they put a lot on the the, the degree they think Jaden Akins will improve. Yeah, and that is that is the crux of the the whole season. So well, that does, that's the, that's the ceiling. That, that. Yeah, does he become does he become kind of a dude? You know, somebody you can really. Um, count on in big games and, and, and um, become a problem for other teams. And, you know, cause I don't think, uh, I mean, Malik Hall has a lot of skills and maybe he starts to put it together consistently, but we really haven't seen it yet. And he's, he's, he's quite a ways yeah. into his career. Joey Hauser, look, when he's playing well, he's a really functional, good player, but we've also yeah. seen Joey Hauser not sustain that. And Jay Nakins doesn't have that doesn't have a rep yet. We don't know what it's going to be. And the coaches speak so highly of them. And they've missed on guys before. Um, but they're not they're not being cautious about what they think of Aikens. There is a essential question that has been asked on this podcast, Time in Memoriam, going back to episode one. And I think we're going to have to drop a lot of stuff about the athletic department generally and things that we want to talk to you about. But there, I did want to ask this question. You brought it up. Is there, you said that uh, Aikens needs to become a dude. In sports, is there a difference between a dude and a guy? And what and what is that difference? How do we differentiate? <laughs> this is a callback. Dedicated full episodes to this, as you well know, because I yeah. know that those are the ones you listen Confirmed to. Confirmed listener. <laughs> a, a dude is um yeah, to me there is a difference. I mean, maybe not in everybody. And the problem is I also write for an audience that includes like uh, you know people live on my block who have no idea about any of this stuff. And so they, all of it goes right over their head and I'm probably shouldn't uh-huh. be using either term, but um, yeah, to me, a dude is, a, is, is next level to me. A okay. dude is, is, is somebody who um, 
is, is, is not just a headliner, but it's a problem for, for okay. opponents. And but what's a guy? What's a guy? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. A guy. A guy? The, yeah, the guy is the next Coach tier down. Say. The, the so guy is down. Someone said going to be a guy. Does that mean like not going pro, going to be a four-year player, like will show up on a scouting report? Is that what a guy is? The and best way I can put it is this. I, I have had coaches tell me to get anywhere, you got to have three guys rolling. That's a guy. One of the three, three guys. Three guys right. rolling. The dude is 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 Denzel Valentine. It's Cassius mm-hmm. Winston. Yeah. Though th- th- that's 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 the dude. Thank Wait, you for not so, saying Max Christie. Really yeah, easy, Max really Christie's a that. sub guy in by sub your guy. So Xavier <laughs> Tillman guy or dude? Yeah, that's a good question. Because that is a good question. It <laughs> is though. There's no. no, no, no. You say you, 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 no joke here because at the very end, like yes. one of the reasons, the the argument to make that because like there are like seven different schools who say if that tournament doesn't get canceled, they would have won a national title, right? That's everybody's including Kempom, Kempom himself. And the, the the thing about that Michigan State team, I thought that gave them a chance is if you relied on a big man you were not going to beat them because Xavier Tillman wasn't going to let you. The last yeah. couple weeks he had guarding uh, Jalen Smith at Maryland, Lamar Stevens at, at Penn State. Um, I'm trying Luka. to Luka Garza was in there, right? I think. Yeah, he blocked him like everybody. three times in one possession. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and there were different types of guys, and he was just – it was like if, if you relied on a big man you, against Michigan State, you weren't going to win. And that was the thing. I mean, it was – is. It was a pretty impressive couple weeks. So that so you could argue from that he is a dude. Okay. All right, I love it. All right. Mystery Good. solved. All right, mystery <laughs> solved. <laughs> so sure. go to the athletic department. Go do it. Correct. You want to do one of these? Uh, no, you do it. No, you're going to ask. All right. Yeah. So we had three or four questions we were going to ask you about the athletic department, but the athletic department. I've been. I've been in the two hearted ales. My apologies for the for the slur there. Uh, there's one bro. thing that I think is is different right now in the athletic department overall, and I want to get your take on this as someone that's been insidery over there for a while. It seems like the influx of donor money right now, whether it's Ishbia, whether it's Steve Saint Andre, who's a guy that I never even heard of before, he's dropping bags like this. Whether it's this guy who runs a company that's now the name for the Pittsburgh Steelers stadium. Like, is this the new that we're not, we're not even talking about mortgage companies generally yet. Uh, Is this the new bar for Michigan state athletics? And what does this mean for the athletic department in general, moving forward as the, the scope of college athletics changes? A couple things. One, a lot of this is Mel Tucker driven. And, yeah, and I, and I don't really. just mean by winning. I, I mean uh, from the onset, saying, I need this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the conversations early on he had with Alan Haller was like, the cars we pick up recruits at the airport have to be better than what we're doing. Like, really? what they get, the cars that they get picked up in the SEC look like these fancy black town cars. Like, we, they, these experiences matter to kids. So um, they needed planes to get to quick recruiting visits, things that, he was just saying, if you want to do this, if you want to be serious about it, this, these are things that are, are needed. And the thing Michigan State has going in football is there, I, I still think more than basketball because they've been there and they've seen it. And it's, I think at its core, it's a, it's a football school. 
is there is a a desperation and a, a a yearning from the fan base to see how far they could push it, and they saw this as an opportunity, and that includes the donors and and to to waste this opportunity. They didn't want to waste this opportunity, so they were able to lean on people who yes, this is something that's important to them. And so I think that's where it, it really stems from. I think a lot of it was now there were there were, there were real efforts post pandemic to reconnect with a lot of donors that have been lost or had been sort of fizzled out as they'd gotten frustrated at the end of the day, Antonio era. Um, but a lot of it was the necessity of Mel Tucker saying, I'm telling you, this is what I think it takes. Can you deliver it? And so I again, mean, yeah. my question would be then, is this sustainable or is this a sugar high? of what's kind of happening. Are there always going to be Lambos on, on the field at Spartan stadium, or is this sort of like the lightning in the bottle of this Mel Tucker year? What do you think? It's, it's, it's a good question. I, I have to think that that swag is real. Like it's not something, you know, if I went out there with a Lambo on the field, it would look ridiculous. Like if I was trying to, you know, <laughs> you either have certain things or you, you don't, I, I think that's part of the persona of the, him and this coaching staff. And they, um, and I do think, you know, I mean, if, if it's not there, that's one of the signs they'd be losing steam, maybe, okay. you know, or, or yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, right now there is, a, there's an energy and this feel, you know, what's interesting right now is this feels like, and you don't get this much as, as a fan base or as a program or as a school, the initial rise, right? There is a high with that though, that is, that is, um, you know, it's, it's the basketball late nineties, right? It's the football for a couple of years under D'Antonio and it's, it's, you have to fault it to have it again. And so there is probably some of that with the money that's willing to be out there. You know, I don't know if uh, football reaches the highest point. Will all these donors still want to do it? I, I don't know. But it, it feels like the people who have the money right now have the will. Let me follow up on something you said a minute ago. You said uh, they t- they're taking advantage of this moment right now where Spartan fans sense some greatness than the precipice of greatness that maybe D'Antonio has taken us to the ledge and now we can see the promised land and how are we going to get over there? Do you think Beekman deserves any credit? Did he does he earn mm-hmm. credit for the hire of ooh, Mel ooh, Tucker? Spicy. Or or is this is this Haller puppet master, you know, behind that? What wh- wh- because be, you look at B, and I just got to say this: you look at Beekman getting off that private jet in his frumpy, ill-fitting suit, his pant legs dragging on the tarmac as he walks, and you're like, "That's how in the fuck? <laughs> not getting who in a Lambo, that guy. Not getting. Who in are Lambo. you? He's not getting into a. You're like what? I mean, he was the secretary of the board of trust. No one understands it. And then this hire. So I don't know. I mean, I, he, he deserves make sense of it. He deserves credit to the point that he didn't get in the way of it. And he mm, sure, under, okay. he under, he understood what he he understood what he had in Haller. Th- this is very much Hollis to D'Antonio, even though Hollis wasn't the AD. It would be Haller. This is Haller's hire, one hundred percent Haller's Got hire. It. And one Got of the it. things that's interesting about, I mean, sort of the, and I'd love to tell this story at some point if I can get uh, Haller to really open up about it. But just sort of the timeline of everything that went down with Luke Fickle and yeah. all, like it, because Haller w- will tell you. And that I mean, he he liked Tucker all along. Now it's not that if Fickle hadn't wanted the job and gone after it, he wouldn't have gotten it. Um, but and the, the flirting with Fickle was almost cost them Tucker, and that was a concern mm. for Haller. And so they were trying to, you know, I mean, all that stuff that's going on when 
when uh, Mel Tucker's talking to his donors the night before he flies. I mean, Tucker was in a tough spot. Like he didn't. Michigan State's, you know, right. got to pull the trigger here. And uh, right. but yeah, no, a lot that was. Um, and I mean, Haller's pretty blunt about that. That was his his doing. Okay. Uh, can, real quick aside, it, it, this is kind of a yes or no question, but I other reporters who cover MSU have have oftentimes talked about MSU's financially precarious position uh, in the athletics department. Is there any validity to that? Yes or no question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just, just yes, yes or, or no. no. That's it. That's all you got to say. Relative to what? Relative to what? Like, no, no, no. Like, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I mean, I understand during the pandemic, times were tough, but that was everywhere. I mean, they're about to be part of a conference that's going to get, you know, north right. of 80 million a year in television money. I mean, they're fine. They're, they're, they're absolutely fine. <laughs> okay. That's. Yeah. Back, 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 back. All right. Speaking of takes, and that was a good take, Graham. Congratulations. Well done. Appreciate you. That's two and ten months. Do you want to give the people what they came for here? Do you want to kick us off? I do. I do. I do. I doodle doodle do. Uh, what we really asked you to hear, I don't know if you listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. They make you come on and they play a game they call Not Your Job. Well, this is your job. Your job is 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 bad takes because really your job is writing for <laughs> assholes like me. And the way you get assholes like me to read your stuff is to have bad takes so that I'm like, what the fuck did you say this time? Um, I will say you don't always have bad takes. And looking back on an article you wrote when Max Christie had first declared for the NBA draft and you explicitly said he's not ready yet. And I thought, I've always respected Graham Couch. I've never disagreed with Graham Couch. Graham Couch, in my mind, is a sports Nobel laureate. So, um, okay. What would you, before we launch into some of our top takes, <laughs> yeah. what, what might you say are some of your worst takes? So I think there are two that come to mind quickly. Um, there's, the, and the headline makes it even worse, but the um, 2018 God, it's on our list. Preview column uh, th- about Michigan State football, their offense perhaps being the most prolific. I believe the word ever might have been in the headline somewhere there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it, it's a dot, 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 since dot, 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 ever. Right. Yeah, that, was, that, that was great stuff. Um, but so columnists that, don't write the headlines, right? That was uh, that Sometimes. Was sometimes we do. <laughs> we have more influence than you may think. Um, <laughs> Gave him an out, didn't take it. Yeah, no, that, that was bad. And, and what's interesting about that, and and, and I really, I, I believed in Brian Lewerke way too long. It was one of the great, just, I. We all some, been there. I Something I saw early in him that I thought he had a little of an it factor. And then it never, and, and something I, I may have had more to do with it than I realized. And this happened with Andrew Maxwell, who I never think was going to be a great quarterback. But if you watch like the 2012 season, first six games, He's getting better and better and better, even if it's not great. Mm-hmm. And eventually he just loses his confidence. That that line was so beat up and the offense was so bad and it, and he never he never recaptures it. And by the time he throws those four passes at Notre Dame the following year, it's it's like the worst series in college football history. And with I, I do think with the worky, everything going on around him may have stunted what he would have mm-hmm. become. But I didn't see it. And that was it, it I, I, I you know. I I I drank the Kool Aid. Kool Aid. I thought I thought I saw more than I did. I thought that offense had a chance, and uh, I just I was I couldn't be more off. The other one 
uh, was even later. And this was worse. And I, I'll blame the pandemic because, you know, I wasn't there and I was watching on TV. And I wrote a column after they beat Duke in Cameron, mm. an empty Cameron, a Duke team that did not make the NCAA tournament. You make the tournament, yeah. About that team being better than the previous Michigan State team that we were just talking about might have won a national title <laughs> with Xavier Tillman. Like, to this day, I'm not really sure where that – I mean – and and one uh, again, it usually stems from misjudging a, a particular player. And it, I really thought Rocket Watts, and that was a game where Rocket Watts influenced the game greatly. Was really good. I really thought he was going to be a player, and I misjudged him from the, the get go. And I still think if that whole situation had been handled a little differently, uh, maybe he would have had a chance. But um, I just I didn't know what I was looking at, and I'm usually better at that with early conference basketball. Um, but it was. And, and I don't know what I also don't know, and this, uh, this is my only out, is like if you're sitting courtside at, at Breslin or at, in Durham, <laughs> like you can see. But you, you my can seats see, were too good. Well, what I mean is you can see, you get a really good sense of things, right? You can Sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this guy's got no chance. And on TV, sometimes you, it, you don't see it right away. I mean, there are games, mm-hmm. talk about live betting opportunities. If you were sitting courtside, sometimes in the first quarter or first few minutes, you're like, this other team has no chance to score, and you you never see that on TV. Oh, oh, okay. So all the more reason to buy way better seats uh, at, at Breslin when live betting becomes inevitably available there. The standard. So let's Graham, get just in- so we can cross it out. Can we say th- what you that article you said quote possibly Izzo's best team in decades and quote I can't think of an MSU team that was more to work with that fit this well. Does that sound right? Is that from that article? We had oh, a God. listener pull receipts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 as that's as bad as it gets. Those two, I mean, those are fireable offenses. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, let's let's talk about hireable offenses then. Because one that kept coming up time and again was your Alex Carter uh oh I'm getting kicked out of Zoom. I don't know about you guys. Um but you uh, you had a piece before you were even car- uh, covering MSU about Alex Carter uh, being better than both Denard Robinson and uh, and Kirk Cousins. I'm curious when you were early, you know, relatively early, early in your career, not even covering MSU yet. How do you come up with something like that? Like, were you even watching those other teams at that time? Were you trying to educate the wider audience in the state? What was your you? I think you've addressed this a couple times, but what went into that decision at that time? So there's a little of that. The reason I'm embarrassed by that column has nothing to do with the takes in them in terms of the overall opinion. Now, because the Denard Robinson one was right. He wasn't even a quarterback, it turned out. Like, and, and the, <laughs> right. And, the, and, they were, and they were, Western was about to play Michigan in the opener. And if I had just kept it there, I would have been okay. And if, even if I included Cousins, um, it would have been something you could have argued against. But it, what, what, what bothered me about that piece later on, and the reason I don't like share it or anything is a bad take, is there were some, I thought, just some sophomoric shots at Cousins that mm. were needless in the sort of thing I wouldn't do at 42 that I did back then. And, and some of it, you know, you, you cover a mid-major program long enough, you know, there's this sort of, you, the fan base you're covering is, is very much an us-against-them world. And, and when there's a player that, you know, and, and there's a lot of that, they're not that. I mean, I used to. I grew up in, in Lansing. I remember watching Michigan State uh, being ahead forty-two nothing against Western when I was like seventeen years old in the first half, thinking, "God, 
I could play in the Mac. Like you just have no concept of anything, you know. And and so when you get all of a sudden you're you're front and center with uh, you know that level of football, and it's Greg Jennings and Tony Scheffler, and it's there's a lot of really good players. You're like, oh wait a sec, I didn't really know what, what I was talking about. So that particular article, um, the other thing that happened was. Alex Carter's career, he actually had a good year that year, but his senior year was hurt and I wasn't covering them anymore and it, things fell apart. Mm-hmm. If In that moment in time, it wasn't as far-fetched between where Kirk Cousins was and where Alex Carter was. It was how I described Cousins' flaws. And uh, and the Denard Robinson stuff was, I, uh, I don't remember by. what was on. But yeah, it was, it was fine. You stand by that. Uh, what was worse, that take or in what year is this? This is 2011. You were rocking, and this is a great thing to talk about on a podcast with no visuals, uh, rocking a hell of a goatee. Mm. What, what would you rather do? Would you rather go back <laughs> and re-own uh, this take or go back to that goatee? <laughs> give me that. Like, So I'm not sure what, if that was a column picture or if what that was. If it looked uh, <laughs> You've also you've got a little pen behind yeah, you yeah, yeah. on this one too. Well, I would go back for this reason only. I was 27 years old, and I was I was fit, and 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 life was great, and I didn't even understand that I had dog shit on my face. Is you know, and so, um, it didn't matter then. It didn't matter. I was yeah, I was oblivious to it, and uh, so yeah, I would if I would happily be 27 years old again, regardless of how I look. Graham, it, it, you you sort of talked about a, a sophomore shot right like and so as a bit of a follow-up have you ever felt like you got too close to a program like again kind of focusing on on process like you know you're in Kalamazoo obviously people make jokes about you mentioning Kalamazoo too often right like did you and and it's a formative year in your professional career right or performative years in your professional career do you ever feel like you get too close there have been a couple moments um, and you cover every beat differently. So if you're covering Western Michigan and you are the only beat writer at every single practice, mm-hmm. and there are now some football practices have you know radio guys, student paper, but you're the only one at every one. You're the only one at every basketball practice. You get to know people in a different way. They trust you in a different way. You can hold on to stories in a different way. I, I would find out about something, think I, I'll use that later, or it's mm-hmm. just a totally different relationship, and you have to be okay with that. You still have to keep a certain level of separation, but it's just different. You have to work the job uh, that's in front of you in terms of the competition. But I'll give you an example where I felt it was time to move on uh, and covering Western. I was, um, might have been the last year and 2010, 11 or in that range. And I'm in an an indoor facility watching a practice near the end. And the coach, Bill Cubitt, looks at me, he points and he says, if he makes this field goal, you don't. You guys don't have to run. Points at me. So I went and kicked a 35-yard field goal. The team mobbed me. They didn't have to run. That's a moment where I left that moment not only disgusted by the filth that had been all over me as they mobbed me, but also thinking, like, that, okay, that's not okay. Like, what just happened mm-hmm. there isn't okay. Mm-hmm. And right. there have been, um, you know, even covering Michigan State. So D'Antonio was nothing to me growing up. I didn't know who he was. I was no longer a fan by the time I came back to the program, but Tom Izzo was 15 years. I was 15 years old when he got hired at Michigan state. I was an absolutely a Michigan state fan when he came in. I was a teenager who, you know, remembers the loss to Weber state, you know, and, and cared about that game. And, and 
remembers his his early years. So the first time that he really let into me, I had to take a step back and be like, you know, all right, that's Tom Izzo letting into you, Jesus, you know, and 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 then yeah, how do say, you kill that? How do you kill that? Right? Well, like you were a fan. How it, like? It, but it's your job. But I'm I'm curious. Like that's that's complicated. It is. I mean, one of the things you go is this jackass isn't that nice after all. You know, you think you know, to yourself, you're like, wait a second. Yeah, but, to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is. It, it, one of the things that helped me tremendously, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't advise anybody who goes to a school and becomes a fan or grows up a fan going straight into that without going somewhere else. I mean, I watched other teams play for six or seven years. And even when sure. I was covering high school sports before that, you miss a ton. And you're just not is connected and you lose it at, at, at some point. I, I don't know exactly when it was, but there was certainly at some point it just, you, you, you didn't, in my twenties, it, it didn't matter. And that's really important. Um, I, I think the other thing happens, you just, you see too much. So you talk about getting too close, but you get too close in another way. You, you, you see people who, you know, aren't the greatest people in the world. Don't treat people as well as, and then uh, you, you learn to like people or dislike people for how they behave more than how they play. And mm-hmm. and that that really changes a lot. Hmm. Um. So so the next topic for you is the blue wall. Which these are the I, these are the people that never lost yeah, this Bram. Yeah. <laughs> that had that yeah. fandom growing up and, ne- and never never dropped it. Yeah. So I want to be very clear. Uh, I don't expect you to answer for other papers. I don't expect you to answer for other columnists. But I I think because um, it's. Obviously, we're fans of Michigan State, but I, I would like to give us a little pat on the back. We've been critical of the university at times, and so we're not so divorced from reality where we, we can't recognize where MSU is wrong. But I think uh, if you look at some of the Detroit coverage, uh, what they choose to put behind the paywall and put in the education section versus uh, what they they put for free is different. Um, and so. I think where you as, as someone who works in the press might be really uh, insightful for listeners and, and fans is how those decisions get made in the first place. Again, I, like I, I'm not expecting you to answer for the free or the news or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to as best I can from the people I know over there. I've worked with, you know, the free or just the LSJ, if that makes it easier, well, like yeah, you well, can say what the decisions are at the LSJ. I'll, I'll say this for the, for the free news. They were very late to the paywall situation. They were, I mean, they were still, I mean, giving away articles for free is a 2016 thing to do, right? We, we mm-hmm. sort of understood in this business that that doesn't work. And they were still doing it in 2019 or 2008. So in other words, when, when MSU was going through the bulk of its shit, everything was free. And then by the time U of M did, they were starting to put things behind a paywall. So there's that perception of it. That doesn't mean it's always, always right. I mean, when COVID started, we did everything for free that was, that was pandemic related. We thought it was a public service there. We did a lot of the Larry Nasser stuff for free. Um, we, we mm-hmm. viewed that as a, as a, as a public, public service. service. And, and we're and, saying, we're not disagreeing with that. Right. We're, and, yeah. we're suggesting it should, if right. anything's going to be free, that no type doubt. of content should no be doubt. free. No doubt. And I would probably disagree with some of those decisions. And I think one of the things, if it feels like, like the freak, for example, uh, I don't want to say that they piled on MSU because for a long time they let with with Larry Nasser they they let us like we're supposed to be somewhat of a partnership doesn't always right. work that way but um they 
they let us and, and, and our guy, Matt Mancarini, who was really all over the story from the beginning, be the guy. And they, and they ran his really good. And they we ran his to, stuff. Yeah. And so they very, very good. Um, but yeah, so, to Matt. yeah. So I'll say this, the, there are the, the, the sports editors that have been there have more often been MSU slappies than U of M slappies, believe it or not, which is pretty, uh, you, you, you wouldn't always think that. So uh, I don't think the editorial decisions that are happening in terms of what's where are intentionally that way, just based on who's been the editors. However, I'll, let me, let me, I'll say this though. There are some columnists, certainly like Woj is a guy who clearly covers Michigan a lot more than Michigan state clearly chooses mm-hmm. to be at those games other than those games. And he's a columnist. He has, they, they give him that discretion, but it, it shows through and, and, and without question where, his sort of preferences. And that's, that just, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think he's a really talented writer and I think he's, uh, I don't think he means to do that, but I'm, I've, doing, I've been to every Michigan state football game, you know, for, for a decade now. And, you know, I mean, he's been to way more Michigan games than he has MSU games, right? Woj is only at the ones where the, the team in blue also shows up. Is where he's, he's, he's at other ones. And there, there were eras when, when Michigan state was rolling for a few years, he w- he was there. So. Begrudgingly. Well, can uh, so, but uh, if if I can, and, and I hope you'll indulge me in a little bit of a, a follow up, that a lot of the Dr. Anderson reporting has been in the education section, yeah. and not in sports. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, MSU has a great journalism school, and and I know there are a ton of MSU alums, and 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 by the way, like, it, you know, I don't practice anymore, but as a former attorney, allegiances like that don't matter, right? Like, you have a job to do, and so. Where you went to school shouldn't really matter. But the question about putting it in a different section, what page it lands on when you visit the website, whereas Dr. Anderson's stories are behind a paywall and MSU getting sued by the Freep is free to yeah. in a no, 2022 those, article. Yeah. Like, I, and again, I'm not asking you to apologize for them or justify them, but I'm, I, I am more curious as like just how the business works. Like who makes those decisions? Not the people themselves, but like you know, what's the thought process that goes behind all of that stuff? I, I think people are interested, like how the sausage gets made. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and those are decisions that, like, from an LSJ perspective, um, I'll give you an example. Like we we um, in determining what what's free and what what's not, you know, we, there are a lot of conversations that go into who's who is the audience, who's this for. Is this public service? Is this something that is uh, deserved by the readers who subscribe to us? Um, like we made, you know, just we made a decision long ago that my three quick takes would always be metered. It means you get five reads in 30 days. And then the sure. columns that follow would be behind a hard paywall. And that was just, we didn't know how that was going to work. We just kind of went with it and we were like, you know, but you want to reward the people who subscribe. I think, you know, I don't, I don't always, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, um, any of the Dr. Anderson stuff being behind a paywall. I think that's important coverage. I, I think uh, if I were there, I'd, be, I'd make a different decision. And, and w- while I don't see the blue wall the way some people do, just because I, I know some of the – like Jerry Ahern was the Detroit News sports editor for a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy is a I – mean, you're talking about a guy who – he was the Detroit News sports editor years ago too, and he wanted to hire Pat Forty. And they made him hire Rob Parker. And he quit. Ooh. Yeah. And he quit. And so like, that's who he is. He is a true, I mean, he is a journalist, journalist, you know, he is, he'll, he'll get in a fight for management over anything that, that he feels. 
strongly about, and he's not somebody who's ever going to going to play favorites. And sometimes those, you know, they go out of their way to try to cover both. There have been yeah. total crap Michigan State football games where John Neal from the news shows up, and I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, we have a columnist at the other one, so i got to be here, you know? And I'm like, dude, it's Ohio State, Michigan. This is Maryland, MSU, and both teams are three and six or whatever. Sure. But So they, they, they are aware of the perception, too. Um, some of it is Michigan football draws a bigger audience, and so there are audience decisions that are made that way. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I, you know, it's interesting. I sometimes push back on the paywall, but I also do understand – why fans see it the way they do and why and there are and there are times the the dr anderson coverage where given all the stuff that msu went through just a couple years earlier it just felt like so much less uh so much you know and and so much kinder <laughs> coverage yeah. in a lot of ways and and uh some of that was because you didn't have the national media there so it just felt different you didn't have victim impact statements on CNN. You didn't have outside the lines doing right. what they were doing. You didn't have all that stuff that was just, that was, was different. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't just knowing the people I do, I, I don't think things are, 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 are intentional, uh, but it doesn't mean they, they make the right decision all the time. And if I were in their shoes, I would be uh, very careful about some of that stuff. Cause I, cause I mean, I think that avoiding that perception is important. I have one more question. If you mentioned clicks, listenership, size of audience, we're three idiots that are like someone's fourth option for MSU football. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, like MSU is a big if, brand. If Couch in the Room isn't publishing, then they'll come to us. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, MSU is a big brand. The 24-7 site is large. The LSJ, I, I would guess you guys you know, attribute some percentage of your total revenue to just covering MSU. But I think we can also acknowledge that Michigan's is bigger. I'm curious, and I'm not saying this is why a blue wall would exist if it did, but I'm curious, like, you probably know the actual numbers. How much more substantial is Michigan's media reach than MSU's? That's a good question. Um, I, I have access to the numbers, but don't, look at them regularly for the free. I mean, I know, you know, I know ours, I know how important MSU is to what we do and how much it drives our subscription and our, I mean, I would like to write a lot of other stuff, but, and also write MSU, but our bread and butter and what drives us financially is, is, is the MSU coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's not just Michigan, it's Michigan football, right? It, it's because, yeah. you know, when they talk about the, the, the eight teams in the state, when you talk about Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Red Wings, Michigan State football, Michigan State basketball, Michigan football, Michigan basketball, Michigan basketball is generally eighth of those right. eight in terms of population. Michigan basketball is a bigger brand nationally than it is locally. It, it, it always has been. Oh. Michigan football is a different uh, different deal. And I would, you know, it, 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 it's hard to say because there are a lot of Michigan State alums. I mean, there's a reason WJR picked up Michigan State when right. they did. I mean, that, um, you know, Michigan is a bigger national brand, uh, but I would think just in terms of alumni and actual intensity of, of, of fans, it's not uh, maybe a third bigger tops, a quarter. So bigger. you're saying like in the media footprint of the Freep and the LSJ, you think 
maybe 33% larger, something like that? Perhaps, and I'm talking football only. Michigan State, okay. Michigan football to Michigan State football. Because Michigan State basketball is bigger than Michigan basketball in terms of interest. By, so it might uh, net out to something like a quarter. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know specifically, but okay. I do know that it's... Nail them down to numbers, yeah. specific yeah. numbers. I can, I, record. I can pull That's this up if you give me a second giveaway content or giveaway <laughs> numbers that can get me fired, but let me, uh, let me do that real quick. <laughs> Take as much time yeah. as you need, Graham. We'll just, we'll play the whole music. <laughs> uh, one last thing. Jonesy, do you want to take this? Yeah, all right. We got to talk some recruiting because I think there's nothing that's made me roll my eyes more than your verbal uh, gymnastics on commit verbal commit versus pledge. But I don't, I I don't want to uh, hammer home because look, I, this podcast started with me making jokes about obsessing about teenage boys because it's weird and unhealthy. Uh, but the it does seem like you've done a bit of an evolution on recruiting. Uh, earlier on, it seemed like maybe uh, you found the whole endeavor both uh, flighty and distasteful. And, and Mel Tucker prioritizing in a way, pushing it via social media. It, am I missing something? Or have you had to engage with recruiting a little bit more than you've historically done? Uh, it, it's a bigger part of I mean, when it, when it's the story of the program, I think you you have to engage. That's the job, right? right? And and so like when when D'Antonio was bringing in those kids when they had that sixteen class before everything fell apart, that was a big story. You had to you had to engage. So when it's a story, I don't think there's any no way around. Us. Yeah, I don't think there's any way around it. Um, you know, I don't enjoy. I mean, there's no doubt. I don't enjoy uh, recruiting. I don't enjoy interviewing. 16 year old kids. I, I, well, so that I, I wanted I, to I, ask about that yeah. because there's a whole cottage industry of people pumping out quotes from 16 year olds. It's not a cottage and, industry. And it's you, a large industry. Sure. But by you. people who, but by people who, uh, you, you may not view in the same sort of journalistic stratosphere and, and probably with some decent reason. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm curious if like, as a columnist in particular, covering recruiting, that's got to present some interesting challenges, right? Because it's not just this 16 year old post visit, like you're talking trends, you're talking bigger picture. Well, that's the beauty of it. There's very rarely is a 16 year old going to do something that like interrupts dinner for me, which is great because, (laughs) you know, I mean. Um, Don't tell Solari. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the thing that that sucks about working the beat. Uh, you know, is that you, um, you you do have to react to that stuff. You know, and and to the point of other. I mean, there are people in in who cover recruiting who are just you know fans and and and. But there are also people who do it seriously and and do it well and and. And I think you know, I, I people are just doing their jobs. I I respect it, and I'm glad I don't have to do it. Um, that often, but yeah, the trend stuff in, in, in the, you know, um, when recruiting is a story, I don't mind d- diving into it. I did the story last, uh, during the season talking to kids who were noticing, uh, what yeah. was happening with the, with the I program. It was a, it was a good column. And, yeah. and so that was, you know, just getting a hold of, you know, and, and I don't mind th- those sort of stories. Cause I, when I, when something's interesting and recruiting can be interesting, 
Um, the, the pledge, you know, commit thing is is definitely it's just because I don't even know if pledge is any different than commitment. I mean, whatever. It, it's just me trying to point out how absurd the, these commitments are, um, especially in football, because they just keep, I mean, the coaches are just as bad like the kid committed and you just keep recruiting them like it's there's just no respect for that at all. And and yet it's, it's the game. And um, so I don't really have that big an issue with it. I just enjoy needling and being snarky and and uh making fun of the whole situation Mission taking the piss good, sir. <laughs> taking the piss i think is what they say <clears throat> uh one uh, of the runner-ups that we're not going to have time for tonight uh was your uh <laughs> desire never to rank uh teams as an ap oh, voter yeah. who haven't had oh, a yeah. uh a road game and we didn't include that on our list because i think we all stand by that take and so yes. for us, that is actually a very good take, sir. So I stand by that. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, and you, and you, breaking news a little bit. How do you get a vote back? Well, oh, so back. I don't know that Breaking I'll, news. Yeah, well, breaking news ahead. is that Duke is going to start playing home and homes again now with John Shire as the head coach. And really? So Whoa! Changing. Are they going to honor the commitment from Coach Gay to us? That's what <laughs> we'll have to find out. That's a question that needs to be asked and answered. Um, yeah. No, getting a vote back... It, I don't know that I would have time to do it as well as I did sure. back then. It, it, it was really probably a, not a good way to be a, a, a married person either, watching that much college <laughs> basketball to do it well. And my wife was living in Chicago at the time, and, and, and so we were only seeing each other on, on weekends, and that helped. Uh, but uh, I, you're only supposed to do it for two years. I got to do it for four years. Partly because the guy who was running it didn't realize I had only already <laughs> had already been doing it for two years. So he said, "Do you want to do this for two years?" I was like, "Larry, I'm your guy. What, what do you mean? I've been doing it for two years. Oh, you want to do it for two more?" Um, so uh, if they offered it, I don't know. I might. It, it it takes a lot of time to do well. Like it, and, and I make fun of other people for not doing it well, but I also don't expect everybody to put as much unhealthy time into it as, as I did for several years. Giveth of their bone marrow to, to produce a better AP top 25. Uh, it will change next enough. week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Graham, it, again, I, we said this, I think extensively before recording, but we cannot thank you enough. This was a blast on our end. Uh, hopefully you got at least a little bit drunk while doing it. So I'll I'll get more on the way out, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, I enjoy this. Um, you know, I'll I'll continue listening. I appreciate uh, you having me on, and I'll hopefully uh, within due time I'll give you some more takes, and we can do this all over again. Um, run it, yeah. run it back. Yeah. Run, it, run it back. We're gonna have an episode where we don't make fun of you or hold you accountable for nonsense that was just wrong. That's okay. That, does, that doesn't seem fun. Though. Okay. Not at all. No, that <laughs> seems impossible. We'll just, drink, we'll just drink more. Drink more. That's all we'll do. Well, I appreciate it. Right, Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. A sincere and heartfelt thank you to Graham Couch, not only for his time, but for us, for his willingness to allow us to talk to him about the dumbest thing he's written uh, (laughs) on multiple All I'm going to say is, if anyone ever invites me onto their podcast to have to defend the shit I've said on this podcast, I'll have to kill myself. There's just, it's, I mean, 300% 300% of the shit I say is indefensible on any level, uh, moral, interpersonal, ethical. 300. Uh, all that I, COVID I, stuff, listeners, that you remember all of that it. you, all that of you it. hinge Masks your- Masks don't work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
vaccines, schmaxines. You don't want to put formaldehyde in your body, do you? Inject yourself with bleach. It'll kill the virus. <laughs> if only we could get sunlight inside the body, right? <laughs> that would be that would be the true. Uh, I think we. Um, uh, it, it's also worth noting, like uh, yeah, Graham, exceptionally good sport, uh, yep. and so uh, I. I think I speak for all of us. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and we are thankful for him and hope that uh, he will return text messages in the future because it was a good time having him on. Uh, all right, let's uh, chat briefly about some basketball news and some Hall of Fame news. Uh, so the aircraft carrier, carrier game has been finalized. Uh, despite what Nate C. told us last week, it is not going to be on an active ship. It's indeed going to be an active one. Uh, which is relevant for service members who uh, will be voluntold uh, to Correct. be yeah. at and prepare for the game. Uh, it's going to be on the USS Abraham Lincoln. I would like to note for Nate C, I italicized, which is uh, required by... Is that what guide. the style guide says? It's wow. all caps or ital- italicized is a... Uh, is the modern iteration, but uh, ships are supposed to be all caps or uh, or italicized. Nice. Um, Here's a question. Here's a question. Uh, in the unique to the English language, right? With our well, not completely unique, but we don't gender our nouns as they do in many places. But we do gender ships. They're often gendered uh, in the in the in the female style. I think exclusively gendered. Exclusively. Female. exclusively. I've never heard a ship gendered male. Correct. I, I personally think it's rather progressive that the USS Abraham Lincoln is a she. I think, I think so, we too. Embrace that. I think we should embrace that. I think we should have Nate Sion to talk to us about the gender identity of the ships. Yes. We'll have Nate Sion for 50 minutes to talk about this one subject. <sighs> it'll produce glorious content. Glorious content that will get us only five-star reviews. <laughs> uh we will actually, uh, Nate Volan uh, Volan told us he'll come on the uh, the podcast to talk logistics Ooh. at some date in the future, and uh, and I hope that people find that as an interesting a conversation as uh, we did. He also said that he was going to get his tickets to be on it, which was very great, very generous. And very it would generous. be rude of us to decline those. We couldn't so, do it. We couldn't do it, Nate. Yes, Rick, we're coming. I can't go to Seattle uh, because I'm going to go to San Diego. So, yes, uh, there it is. We're not Island. My mom was born there. Uh, my granddad served there. And so I just need to connect with, with my home. Uh, and I'm going to uh, We decided to only talk about this, but uh, this Gonzaga game on an aircraft carrier sort of you know it's kicks off a brutal non-conference schedule for your michigan state basketball team who as we just discussed will be uh led by the moneyball crew Um, (laughs) draining threes all over the place um anyway anything else on this you guys want to talk about or are we ready to talk about the hall of fame Nope. Uh, brutal. And uh, this is just a promo for Nate C actually being able to talk to us about. Um, I think that's an interesting conversation. So we're all it's just guests now. That's the whole podcast. Yeah. Guests. Honestly, uh, we should have pivoted to other people talking than us a long time ago. Exclusively white males, apparently. Uh, anyway, uh, let's talk uh, about that Hall of Fame. Uh, Greg Jones and Draymond Green are headliners of inductees to the MSU Hall of Fame. Class of 2022. Um, 
Wow. I was actually astonished. Uh, another name on this list, Herb Adderley, um, football back in the day. I was astonished that he wasn't already in the Hall of Fame. Um, but what a great class that we have here. Like Greg Jones, all-time great. Draymond, all-time great. Herb Adderley, surprised that he wasn't already here. Um, yep. and then you got Joan, uh, you know, you Garrity. got Laura, you got, uh, Karen, you got Bob, you know, I will say Laura Haybar, when she was playing, I refereed her, her senior year at Michigan state. It was probably the only season Michigan state women's soccer was compelling. Um, 2011 was the year I came back from Peace Corps. She was unbelievable. I mean, she was a leading scorer in the big 10 season over season. I think she may be one of the record holders for women's soccer total scoring so she she was the real deal i do remember her she had a huge breakout freshman year and it was like this is like an all-time generational talent on the women's soccer team yeah uh and i'm looking here at kathy deboer 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 uh volleyball and basketball two sports aren't those the same season we should just ran back and forth yeah, she would call well, play. Honestly, if easier day, now, be in the same building. Easier now that they're both in the Brez. Well done, you. Uh, really right. sad to see no men's, no men's or women's swimming and diving. Really, really burying that entire program in its memory, aren't we? In the well, cement I, filled I, pool. Over yeah, at in, the, in the pool at I am West. <laughs> Bill Beekman, uh, in his new role, has been sneaking into the Hall of Fame and uh, taking out the exhibits yes, of yes. former so we get to it. people, just yeah. exiting them and burying them in the, the pool. A truly frumpy, frumpy man. Uh, gentlemen, we have someone to talk about this week as we uh, before we get into our questions, and it's important that we recognize he is back in some new digs, our dear friend. The only Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, that I know. That's right, Brandon Sands. He is now with Gold Star Mortgage, and he is the guy you want to contact if you are in the market to buy a house. Home prices have not been falling, uh, even though rates are starting to trend up a little bit with inflation and everything else that's going on. So if you are trying to wait for a dip in the rates, it may not actually save you much money because house prices are holding incredibly strong, especially here in Michigan. Gold Star Mortgage is a Fortune 500 Michigan-based company that funds over a billion dollars. That's billion with a B in mortgages annually. Brandon's managing a team that has over 100 years of combined industry experience. They're licensed in 32 states. That includes the entirety of the Big Ten's footprint here and in the here to come. Of course, with the exception of that garbage corn husking state, or uh, corn husking, but I meant Iowa. So you know what I mean. I mean, (laughs) corn all the same. It's corn all the same. You know, it's like it's the a center. Certain, it's a certain kind of corn. <laughs> it's like it's like the center on special teams. Listen, he's consultative. All right. Center on special teams. He's I could try to slip that one in. He's consultative. He's got some of the best rates in the country. The kid has got all the loan products you could possibly ever need. He can service your loan. He can service my loan. He can service a lot more than loans, if you know what I mean. He's the guy you want to contact. Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Check him out at Gold Star Mortgage. Greg, this is your opportunity for a personal endorsement. I worked with a man 
And I got to tell you, truly the finest experience I've ever had. And the reason why I don't live in Iowa. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd be there right now. Right now. Yep. In your new house. And he said, no. Yep. We got, we got really far down the path. And then Brandon was like, listen, man, I actually, I don't I'm know. Right in Iowa. And I was like, that's it. It's over between us, Iowa. And uh, we, uh, and now I stay here. Anyway, uh, Twitter questions. And I, I actually, I want to kick off by, by paying oh, homage. Yes. Yeah. I think we really need to take a moment and thank Les Chavad for all of the work that he has done on the Instagram account. It has yes. been glorious. It has been a key driver of new uh subs, I assume. Yeah. Instagram. Subs. Yeah. Subs. Sure. Right? Yeah. Followers. Scripts. Yeah. New 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 folk. New folk. Um, if you haven't seen it, he has put some fantastic content over there on the Instagram page in the last month. Um, cannot thank him enough. Uh, and we'll find a way to social media manager fired. In fact, yeah, I think she's back though, (laughs) a little bit, which is unfortunate. By back, you mean to say just has the password? I will say no one seemed to notice that there was a changing back of the guard and that tells us everything that we need to know. So anyway, uh, very appreciative of the work that he put in hilarious content and plums of the week got me through (laughs) some really rough times over the last. He, he, I mean, I don't think any of my social media is locked up, um, but he definitely had to go back pretty Pretty far to get a few of those. And at least one picture that he didn't find that I'm glad has apparently been removed from Facebook because that could have been icky. (laughs) There's some of us on there, aren't there? There was one particularly that I'm thinking of that I don't think exists anymore on the Facebook. (laughs) Thank you. Uh huh. No, 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 no. None of those shenanigans. When when I saw how deep he was going on some stuff, I'll, I'll be honest, I went. I went, I went rooting around. I did some Googling. I did some, <laughs> some looking. Rooting around. And I, you know, I hardened up some defenses here and there. So uh, very appreciative for the shot across Le the bow. Shot vowed. Les Merci beaucoup. All right, gentlemen, let's do these Twitter questions and go to bed. Because uh, Graham Couch exhausted us. Uh <laughs> All right, Spartan18770 is up first. What needs to happen for Tucker to beat Ohio State this October? Quick, I think it's notable. Ohio State earlier in the schedule than we've seen them in a while. Uh, and here, since and in Spartan State. Uh, 2018 offense that Graham Couch touted. Uh, so uh, what, what do you think needs to happen? Can they continue to just uh, implode on themselves in the way that they did in in that Michigan game? If we could get that, plus make 10% more implosion, I like our odds. What Michigan fans don't realize is that Ohio State does that usually once a year. Mm -hmm. So they thought they were special. They didn't realize they did that to Purdue like two years ago. Yeah. So, And by the way, whomstest amongstestest us hasn't done that to Purdue. Um, all right, next up, who is the second biggest unfavorable college fan base out there? 
Are you not saying that word, Michael Jones? This is where you're drawing a line? No, no, no. Uh, If if Kevin Greck won't say it. I'm a I'm a known misogynist, so I will say douchebag. Oh, okay. All right. So that's all right. I I want to be very clear where your line is for for your your listeners. Uh, so who is the second biggest, biggest, uh, what was it again, Greg? A douchebag. College fan base out there. Uh, I assume first is Michigan. So I'm very curious, uh, as two people who live in Michigan, what mm. your perspective is. It has to be Notre Dame. <laughs> that is like, if you've ever been to a Notre Dame tailgate, it, yeah. there's just like a haughty atmosphere about it. Yes. This is true. This yeah, is, I mean, this is that's, absolutely that's, true. That's the moniker. It's the douchebag. I mean, there's a lot of things you can indict other college fan bases for, but my God, there's nothing other more worse than just the unrequited self-esteem that some of these fucking Notre Dame fans have. Icky, icky, icky. And the worst thing to meet is a Michigan resident who roots for Notre Dame, and even worse, rarely, but I will see these people who didn't even go there, who live in Michigan. Well, well, I will... I will also put in word for Ohio State generally. I think I've shared this anecdote before, but my worst fan moment actually happened after an MSU Ohio State game. Have I, have I shared this before? I don't so think so. I'm walking out of uh, so that this is uh, after. I think this is after the year that we beat them in the Big Ten championship game. They come to East Lansing. And our team is undefeated. Uh, forgive me. I would, I would, if I was thinking about sharing this, I would have looked this up. They're, we're undefeated. They're coming into Spartan Stadium, and it seems like this is our year to like truly take the next step. Yeah. They come in, trounce us, trounce us, annihilation. Sure. It's bad. It, it, it. I got so excited about what this team was going to be, and it d- does not go well. And it's clear that it's like, oh, Ohio State's back. We're going to do this whole last thing again um so i'm trying to leave spartan stadium and as i'm doing it their marching band is also leaving spartan stadium so they're they're like cordoning off the the ropes are out and their marching band is going across and the uh, ohio state fans that were there and there weren't that many for this game because msu was really good at that time uh that season were there like cheering them on and i just get tired of it and I'm looking around, I'm seeing all the Ohio State fans, and they look like an NFL fan base, and they're idiots, and they've got their their uh, jerseys on, which is like an exclusively Ohio State thing, and everyone seems to have face paint, and there's this Ohio State fan next to me, and he's like singing the fight song, and I just get tired of it, and I turn to him, and I say, and I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of, you have the worst ugliest fan base in the country and he turns to me and he says you don't know what you're saying you're upset and it was instantly like the most disarming thing ever you were the worst you were the worst in that scenario i had this moment of clarity of like why do i let these things affect me this much why why did i just accost this man with his just enjoying his evening and fortunately as that was happening the ohio state band walked past and the lines opened up and i was able to move 
out of the way as I'm laughing at myself about how right he was and how ridiculous I am (laughs) and how I need to reevaluate things. But it is also true that their fan base is truly awful. And and that response from him is represents fewer than 1% of what the average Ohio... You found the one guy... There are not a lot of Ohio State fans that would have disarmed me in that way. was accosted there at age 14 by a grown man for rooting for a school that I don't care to mention. Sure. Uh, I would put in... uh, I'd put in two honorable mentions. Uh, One... Uh, as a coastal elite, I am familiar with Penn State, and mm. they um, they have same Michigan vibes. Uh, they look down on Pitt. They look down on Temple. Uh, they kind there of look is. down on Penn Found as it. like uh, you're not a sports yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fuck you both. Uh, anyway, uh, and then I think Iowa hides behind their wave. Hot take. There, uh, we're not talking anymore about Iowa on this podcast. Luke Fickle's already come up. I don't want to do it anymore. I hate all of them, and they're Cincinnati. all Oh, also, there are so many new UCLA oh. fans that are listening now. They're like, "Wait until you meet USC." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. Uh, next up uh, from Spartan eighteen seven seven zero. If you can only have one, what would it be? A an MSU football national championship, B, a cure for cancer, C, a life supply of your favorite whiskey. I Plum, I don't know about your family, but I'm going to go ahead and speak for two of us on fuck cancer. I love MSU, but fuck cancer. So that's where I'm going to end on this. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a fine think, take. But I, think that's, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. But it's close. Yeah, for me, it would be like, would, would anyone know? Does anyone need to you know? <laughs> is it just Is it just me alone? We're out of the woods over here. We're out of I can get the whiskey. I can get the whiskey without anybody knowing, right? Wait, the whiskey's your answer? <laughs> A thing. Next up from Thomas Ambiasi, if Swag Surfing doesn't take as an entrance song, what should the team enter the field to? All right. I think the better question first is, is Swag Surfing not successful because the audio system was so bad? Which yeah. has now been replaced, by the way. I got to see that it get lifted out of Spartan Stadium. That doesn't mean it's better. It could also be something to do with the uh, racial makeup of the student section <laughs> not being ready for Swag Surfing. <laughs> also true. Yeah. Have you have you looked at the ISOM? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, that could have something to do with it. But what would a uh, what would another option be? Thunder. Okay. No. All right. All right. Tunes by T. Settle down <laughs> over there. Uh, I used I had a good answer for this at one point. Uh, Thomas, you caught me at a bad time. I will come up with something solid for this. Um, just you wait. All us. I do is win by DJ Khaled. Could we get some Daft Punk, or is that like getting back to the racial situation? That could yes work. and yes. <laughs> uh, second up from Thomas, uh, are there any MSU Twitter bits that you don't understand at this point? It's too late to get them cleared up. <laughs> 
I, this I is think two a the podcast would say yes. This is a recurring segment, uh, Thomas, on our <laughs> on our group chat. <laughs> Jonesy, explain to me what the outrage is over this thing. Seriously, yeah, Seriously number me. of Mel Tucker tw- uh, pictures. Go. Uh, all right. Next up, Mike Jones. Everyone knows that the live LIV, whatever we're calling it, golf tour story right now, the golfers defecting from PGA to join live. Are they getting the cold shoulder for shoulder from press conferences at majors? Oh, they are getting those things. Yes. Uh, when will conferences like the big 16 and sec leave the NCAA and start their own athletic association? Well, I mean, this is what we were kind of prognosticating about last week, or at least I was kind of worried, like what, what, I mean, if we just go to a bifurcated conference athletic association structure, then what the hell's the purpose? I expect within five years. Yeah, I would say the the new TV contracts are going to just drive this, and that's going to be it. And that's it, right? Because what is the NCAA doing? You know, I mean, Mark Emmer doesn't fucking know anything, as evidenced by everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, what value is there, really? And who cares? And, and they don't, they're not even, uh, rules aren't uniform across the NCAA. Like, no. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the NCAA is doing for the sport. Well, March I mean, Madness. And, and that's no, no, the no. one thing you. It's basketball, but not football, right? Like, well, but this is, but I mean, you're talking about okay. your own athletic association. The point becomes postseason. You can get away with this in football. No problem. But basketball, if you don't have the ACC engaged in some way, you really. That's driving a big part of the, the tournament, right? Well, and I mean, the thing that I hope they, they don't lose sight of is that I don't care, and I think I speak for everyone here, I, that I don't care about our non-conference schedule when we're playing fucking Akron. That, like, that's not interesting to me in football. But what is interesting is when uh, uh, St. Peter's, we, we discovered last week, makes a run yeah, in the NCAA right. tournament, right? Like... When your mid-major, low-major makes a run in the NCAA tournament, that's, I mean, America gets on board with that game. People who Correct. people who people whose team is no longer in the tournament watch that game. So, Or, or if you're a proper fan, regardless of your team allegiance or your bracket, you start watching that game. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I get why football would, would leave. Because there's no value in playing mid-majors in, in football. But there is value in basketball. So, my two cents. What's next? Next up from Mike Jones. If you guys could have a respected journalist join the pod for shits and giggles on a day, who would it be? Well, Mike, it'll never happen. It, so, it doesn't matter. It, it's not even really worth asking the question. Because a respected journalist would never Come on a podcast like this. Never would and never has, in yep. fact. Uh, yeah. Graham Couch joining under the green wall pretty much tanked his own credibility. Uh, next up from Mike Jones. <laughs> how many how many passes did the pod buy for the East Lansing NIL club? Who's the first player you guys are having on the pod? Can I buy one to have Joey Owls around there so Plum can directly apologize to him? <laughs> 90,000, we spent collectively 90,000 of our own dollars to buy every single one of the 455 access passes 
that were sold. And I cannot get a return phone call from Max Christie's camp. I am <laughs> beside myself. Beside myself. <laughs> uh, we want our money back. Uh, we should get our money back, frankly. I mean, this is insane. $90,000 of our own money beside ourselves. Uh, next up from Mamapaleaf, negative 10. Why is it why is it Couch's name Graham Chesterfield or Graham Davenport or Graham Divian? I've never heard that word. Divan. Divan? Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time. Which one of the three do you prefer or another suggestion? It's the Graham Chase. The Graham Chase Lounge. That's good. That was, that's it's good. Two, two first names. Yep. Really? Really? It is. You could also so. go with the Graham Seti, but it's not as good. Oh, as the Graham Seti. That's very nice. Yeah, very not nice. Not as good as the Graham uh, Chase. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, negative 11. Damn it, Susan. <laughs> now that you are all finally together again, thanks to your The Guest Appearance interview, let's revisit. In order to garner more listeners, The Pod has decided to create a fantasy Twitter questioners league. Each host or co-host guest may select three players from your avid fans for their team. Which can't read, can't write questioners will you select for scoring big during next week's podcast? This is a segment fish. If I've ever this is that. a segment fish and not a bad one. I mean, I yeah. actually don't hate this. Well, the answer is Gar- Garv's the goat. Right. I know who, yeah, who gets sharper? That's the first, that's the real. Uh, I'm, I, I'm so sorry to that next tier down, but it is just the facts of the matter. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, two-time winner. How do you compete with that? How, How do, do you compete? compete? Do Everyone compete? else is going to have to bring it, listeners. Hmm? Hmm? Don't have any other two-time winners. Um, but... We already rate these people to draft them to the true indignity, right? Also, we love all of these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We cherish them all. All of them. And some, some will never win out of principle. Like, I'm right. <laughs> like if you have to go to negative 12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nearly 200 sort of memorabilia items from the Scandalaires Football Center are to be auctioned off beginning Monday. Uh, coveting what, quote, must-have item will keep you awake all night tonight. A game uh, game day football as far back as a 1942, uh, 1942 game day football, or a locker audiograph autographed by Coach Mel Tucker. I will take an audiograph. Uh, audiograph, please. Audiograph. Uh, there's supposed to be some really good stuff in there. There's like a uh, a game day Rose Bowl ball, I think, uh, that's included in there. There's uh, tons of other stuff, various tapestries. Anything by Kenneth Walker, because I will buy something by Kenneth Walker. You can actually get his, uh, you know, I was going to call it the Jim Thor Award. What, what did he win? The Maxwell Maxwell Award. You Walter can just Camp? get that. Walter, Walter Camp. Camp. He got Walter, Walter Camp, Camp Award. Whew. Whew. Uh, not good. Walter Camp Award. 
Uh, that's up for grabs. Um, next up from always thinking 1835. Is there a cooler? Is there anything cooler than stow and go seats in a minivan? Yes, there is. My friend has one of those minivans with the stow and go seats. It also has a vacuum cleaner built into it. Her minivan has its own vacuum cleaner. This exists? This is real? This exists. This is a Chrysler, whatever the fuck they're called, town and country or whatever. They have the stow and go, the seats go wherever the hell they go. And then on the sides of the van, there is a tubing and the vacuum cleaner and they can vacuum up the damn thing. As it tubing? Tubing. <laughs> is it just like a whole house vacuum cleaner where it's definitely, definitely loud wherever you go in the house while it's being used? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because it's a minivan. So, you know. <laughs> That's the thing I never understood about those houses that have the whole house vacuum cleaners. Like, how is this louder? As it turns out, how does it end up this way? What happened? Uh, Next up from always thinking 1835. What was your favorite book as a youth? Uh, When was the last time you read it? And do you think it still holds up today? That feels like a question for Michael Blake Pipkin Jones. If I've ever heard one, because he was such a well-read youngster. Mm-hmm. Uh, does um, uh, the old Harry Potter count? Uh, or we? Uh, I feel very uncomfortable with her stances uh, these days. Uh, noted turf. Yeah, I was going to say it's fine. Uh, You're a turf, turf as well, so yeah. Um, you know, separating the art from the author. Uh, you know, but um, I guess if we're going farther back. Um. If the answer is like popcorn fiction, then uh, does anyone remember the Animorphs? Yeah, Which, dude, those were killer. Yeah, no. Uh, if we're looking for something serious, that's a children's book. Uh, you're gonna have a hard time beating The Giver. I think Giver was great. Giver was great. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, my mom would take us to the library, and I had to have read every single Encyclopedia Jones. Little mystery book and uh, the Boxcar Children. Oh, love oh. the Boxcar Children. Oh, what about the Hardy great. Boys? Where are you on Hardy? I Boys? didn't read Hardy Boys. I think it was just a little bit too old. Mm. I enjoyed the Hardy Boys and uh, what's the other one for the for the ladies? Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Yes, I, le- I read a ton of Nancy Drew as well. You could also wow. do Harriet the Spy with with that question. Didn't. Oh, you know what? No. I'm sorry. I'm retract everything I said. The mixed up files of uh, Mrs. Uh, Beesweiler or whatever. People will know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, for me, this question of my youth is uh, the Bible. Um, wow. What do you guys think? That's Hold upsetting. Up. Last up from Always Thinking 1835, what would need to happen for you, Kevin Grooch, to cover <laughs> MSU cross country this fall? You know how the Bible has a lot of miracles in it? (laughs) Or a pestilence or some great, great (laughs) pestilence. We've already done a pestilence. Thank you, Alex. That's true. That's a great point. Great point. Why am I on the pod? Still not covering cross country next year. Oh my God. Uh, Next up from Mr. Neurotic Pants. Oh, someone else should read this probably. (laughs) Okay. Grooch is and very he's, wise. He's going to regret this question. Yeah, he is. Grooch, he says, first question, Grooch is very wise. Does Grooch agree that excited MSU fans are overestimating MSU football this coming season, even with the windfall of four stars? 
can never be done. Uh, uh, Mr. Erotic Pants. There's, there's never an overestimation that can be done because lo, Tuck is here and he is coming. Low. And low. Lo and behold. Also, the four stars aren't going to play. And once it's for a year. I think some of them are going to play, though, right? They're going to sign in December, bro. Yeah, but here's a question. I think some of them are going to play. Do you think some of them play because they... the class of 2022 or the class of 2023? I'm talking about the most re okay. The class of 2022 is what I'm talking about. Yeah. The class of 2023 won't be on campus yet. Correct. Indeed. But some of the players from the most recent class will play. Will they play by virtue of their own talent or will they play so that Tuck can continue to show to recruits? Yes. If you come here and you're good enough, you will play. Yeah. Well, and also, in like in fairness, the safety depth is two. Yeah. So when uh, Mangum's out there on the field on, on game two, it's, it's because uh, Xavier Tillman and, and Angelo Gross were number three and number eight in most snaps on defense last year. And we don't want a repeat of that. So yeah, that's Henderson. That's, but yes. Oh, what um, did, I say? did I say Tillman? You did. But I'm just no. correcting that. So we're all on the same. Yeah, page. yeah. Uh, next up for Mr. Erotic Pants, are there different strains and uh, qualities of crystal meth? Or is it all Walmart? Greg, this seems like a question for you. Well, I'm just thinking he didn't even watch Breaking Bad or he would know the answer to the question. That's true. I even went back to it during COVID and I still stopped watching it again. I don't know why. I can't articulate why. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. Do I need to explain that joke too? (laughs) You should. You should. You should. And honestly, asking Grech uh, to to describe quality strains, uh, tastes, any differentiating factors with anything that is consumed, (laughs) he's not your guy. He's not Not your guy. Not wise. Not a a discriminating palate. Price points, though, he will be. Yes, he will know. I will tell you what that tier is when you're in the diminishing returns. That's fine. Yeah, because you're uh, going to get there fast. That's good. <laughs> it's very low. It's artificially low. All right. Finally. Neurotic pa- oh, okay, I got you. Uh, I'm going to push back on your hurtful dismissal. <laughs> I don't think you were here for this question. Mm, mm. This hurtful dismissal of my questions some weeks ago. Can we as fans do anything to resist to realignments and break with traditions. Can we start an online petition to drop Rutgers, Maryland, and the state of California from the big whatever conference? Yeah, you can start whatever online petition you want. Scream into the void, Raymond Chains. It's the on, whole Raymond. point of Twitter. But, but no is the answer that I'm hearing from both of you. Yes. Correct. It, yes, it's too late. vain efforts. <laughs> yes, no one can compete with media rights. This is it. Media. Your, your only hope, Mr. Erotic Pants, is the heat death of the universe. Bring it on. And is that a hope? Uh and and I think you can say, is the Big Ten making acquisitions that are sensical? Like if if acquisition is the game, are they doing it in a way that's 
representative. Is it interesting to y'all that we had 50 minutes with Graham Cash and we didn't talk to him about uh, conference expansion? Because it seemed like three weeks ago it was the subject and then it dropped entirely off. He hasn't had time to talk about it yet. Mm. Mm. Well done. Good. Next up from the John Hubbard. What is the earliest you've started drinking on a non tailgate slash wedding day? <laughs> Do mimosas count? Because I feel like I've had a mimosa very early in the morning. I've had an early morning mimosa at work, uh, which was kind of nice. Huh. Wait, took that. at your current employer? Previous employer. Current oh, employer. I was going to say. Current, current employer? employer would be like a nice. <laughs> A nice Diet Coke, maybe? That's really... No, 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 no. They do. They do. That's a myth. There's there's fountain drinks and soda pops all over that place in Provo. Mm. It's true. Uh, it's true. Uh, Thanksgiving is probably my staple mm. for I drink early. In the early. Morning. Like, get out of bed. It's Thanksgiving Crackle Day. Miller Lite is here to stay. That's a, a family tradition. It's a family tradition. Get, where does that come from? The Miller Lite in particular? Oh, that's me, largely. But like, <laughs> it's, it, it's it, but also it's a, uh, so a dad has a thing. He went to an Orioles game way back in the day. He was an accountant in D.C. And, uh, and there was a beer rep there who like bought him a beer. And so he turned into a Miller light Miller over bud person. Mm. Um, and then also I would add on that it's an all day drinking affair. So like sure. you can't start ambitious that it, a rookie mistake to start ambitious. Is sure. this something you're going to share with Blake at some point? You're going to turn him into a, a yes. Miller man. Uh, oh, I thought you meant a high functioning alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, yeah, Miller, absolutely. <laughs> I will teach him that the marginal dollar cost when you're in college is quite small for the upgrading <laughs> quality. Be that guy. Be, Be that, guy. that guy. Be that um, guy that shows up with the Miller light. <laughs> yeah. And, and insists other people pay for it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, next up, uh, from John Hubbard, would you rather have to fight an a chimpanzee with a sword once a year or fight a chicken every time you get into your car why do we invite these questions <laughs> plum this feels appropriate for you it has to be the chicken no i mean no it has to be and i'm gonna tell you why because you're gonna lose to the chimpanzee with a sword you're absolutely gonna lose to a chimpanzee with a sword also if and if you have if you're the one with a sword what you want to you want to murder a chimpanzee every year I Who's could you can just run away. No, that's not how this works. I, you're fighting it. This is the whole point of the the this. Listen, you can drop kick a chicken if you have never and you neither of you have. It's in the live, car. You can't. You can't. No, no, no. Every time you have to get in your car, so you're walking to your car, and then all of a sudden, like mother chicken comes out, and she's like, nah, 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 nah. I have kicked more chickens in my life than I care to admit, because they're stupid. They're loud. They're needlessly aggressive. You don't even know what they're defending when you get by them. Um, and they're, did I say they're stupid? They're very, very dumb. They're an animal that can live without its head for a prolonged period of time. Longer than it should. They're just bad. And so 
Yes, I think I'd actually it might be the best way to start my day. It would be just oh yeah, <laughs> actually, kick my, the chicken my in the head. Quality as I get of in life my car. actually might improve with yes, <laughs> with this, with this one. Yeah. The problem, Jonesy, you're gonna lose to a chimpanzee with a with a sword. That you're dead when this happens. Wait, so in you're assuming I have no weaponry of my own. Oh, you're the good guy with the gun. You might even have a sword. I don't know. Oh, there it is. Well, good. There's 400 of us who showed up. Uh, uh, We did uh, 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 nothing. Because fuck guns. The year is 2051, and you're sitting on a bench by the Mel Tucker softball building slash physics lab slash kombucha stand feeding the hollow kombucha stand. Feeding the hollow ducks when an AOP group walks by talking about the statue of the bald man holding an axe, speculating who he is. What tuck story do you tell them? Don't this is a good question. After people, though, is well, story number one. that is story number one. That's story number one. Don't revere press conferences near statues by people. Story number two. Uh... uh I'm going to do a a birding, a birding Mel Tucker. It'll be like, this man got binoculars in the mail. And then he, he did an open boxing on, on Instagram and his son made fun of him the entire time. And that was my still to this day, in a lot of ways, my favorite Mel Tucker moment. Mel Tucker moment. That's worth it. And very apropos to the axe, too, more importantly. Okay, last up this week, our favorite slash least favorite, the Upper Deck Jerk guy. Mike Jones, what are the chances that due to injuries, the Spartans have a time where they can only play seven scholarship players? High. Very high. And you're guaranteed. And and I want to be clear that I'm going to put an asterisk on this. When, When you say seven scholarship players, I mean... Seven players who warrant a scholarship. Because if Davis Smith, with his bullshit scholarship, trots on the floor, if Stephen Izzo has a scholarship at the at the beginning of the season, I'm unsurprised. And and maybe we fire Tom Izzo for embezzlement. Mm. <laughs> uh, next up, next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, guys, if you can make one change in Spartan Stadium, what would it be? Remove the Upper Decks. Be gone, mm. guys. Yeah. It's Get rid of it. That's too far. That's too far. I took it's it too bullet. far. Bullet, like a, 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 a bit of a big I think, house. I think more yeah. troughs. I think more troughs. Troughs that was everywhere. indeed one of the answers. Yeah. The answer. More troughs. The answer. Troughs. If I were Matt Ishbia, what I would do is I would fund big improvements to Spartan Stadium, but it would be like way nicer troughs, like the finest troughs. Very, very nice troughs. That you've ever seen. Yep. Otherwise, uh, expand the student section. Yeah. That's Don't good. push them to the upper deck where jerk guys live. Just yeah. spread them. Spread them. Yeah. And finally, can at Plum Alex do a limerick about how Max got a guaranteed contract north of $2 million? Gentlemen, a poem for upper deck jerk guys everywhere. Underperformance is sometimes an art. For the Lakers, in fact, it seemed smart to pay a young lad who's objectively bad... (laughs) 
2.7 mil to clean from the bed all his shart. <laughs> Sharty, thank you. Uh, gentlemen, that feels like a great place to end this podcast. A sincere and heartfelt thank you again to Graham Couch for joining the podcast. Uh, it was a true pleasure to have him on. Uh, notwithstanding Graham's work, subscribe to local journalism. And uh, we we thank you all for listening. Gentlemen, go green. Go white. Go white, guys. <laughs> <laughs>